podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Brutal Nation, a podcast series that's dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only. You always look pissed off. I'm hurting. Tammy Underwood. I, no, I always have resting we, bitch face, but these last hurt. couple of weeks, we I've been hurt hurting in our so heart. bad. No, it's not that. I've been hurting so bad that sometimes it's just, it no, pinches. I know. I know. And hopefully your doctor will fix you. Yeah, he wants me to try physical therapy first. But oh, there you go. So, as promised, last Friday I featured you Patrick did. Kearney. I was just listening to that. And today, I'm going to feature Randy Kraft, a.k.a. the Scorecard Killer, a.k.a. the Freeway Killer, remember that name, and also known as the Southern California Strangler. Here's my opening thoughts. Wait a damn minute, Scott. Didn't you say that Patrick Kearney was known as the Freeway Killer? And yes, I did. But some of the murders that Randy Kraft committed also gave him that nickname. The nickname that he was most known by, though, is the Scorecard Killer. Yeah, that's so, what I knew him by. So, like any other ball game, better up. When you stole him from me. I had to. I know you did. No, I, I conceded. Yeah, well, I had to because I found, I found mm. my, male, my man crush, Patrick Kearney, because that man has style when he's killing. You are so crazy. He's got class. He did, actually. Actually, I kind of admired him. For some of the, you know. Right. Not necessarily for the killings, but he owned his shit. He owned his shit. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It's the 1970s in sunny Southern California, and the, bio- the bodies are piling up. With a capture, or should I say surrender, of Patrick Kearney, the police thought and, and hoped that the serial killings would stop. Their hopes, however, were in vain. At first, it seemed like no one really thought much about the killings as it affected mainly the gay community. Right. We, we talked about this the last couple of weeks. We did. Ghosts. Your ghosts scare me. They scare me. My ghost doesn't scare me. And in the, in the 70s, while more people were becoming accepting of the gay lifestyle, it was still looked down on. Right. Now, however, with the body count of gay men getting higher and higher, law enforcement has taken real notice. Well, about time. Before Patrick Kearney turned himself in, the police thought that they were only dealing with one serial killer. But with Kearney safe behind bars, they quickly learned that they were wrong. I was just saying, wasn't he the one that let them know that there were two of them, at least? Uh, yeah, and I mentioned that yeah. during Kearney. When they were yeah. questioning him, they started asking him really bizarre questions. Yeah, and he was like, no, dude. Yeah, they asked him, have you ever stuck a sock down someone's throat? And he's like, no. How about up their anus? How about a surveyor stick? And then that's why he goes, oh, no, no. I'm not that serial killer. Yeah. Like, dude. I know. that's, And I was talking about that in the last episode, that one, ep- you know, the Kearney episode. It's like, he... It cracked me up because a serial killer that was disgusted by a serial killer. Exactly. That's why I liked you know? him. Because he had class. Yeah. He had this. Yeah. He had that. 
Randy Kraft was born on March 14th of 1945 in Long Beach, California, and was the fourth child of Opal Lee and Harold Kraft, as well as their only son. So he's surrounded with sisters. Women. That is a lot of estrogen. Women. His parents were living in Wyoming, but on the tale of World War II, the sequel to World War I, they moved to California. Did you just say the sequel? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't all that, but okay. They moved to California where Randy was born. Harold was a production worker and Opal was a sewing machine operator. So basically middle class working folks. Yeah. yeah. Not too bad, right? Although Kraft's parents worked, they always found time for their kids. Randy, Randy was doted over by his sisters as well. Okay. So, yeah. Well, he was the only boy. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know how to start off. You're probably thinking, oh, his sister's treated him like shit. No, no because no. he was the only boy. It makes total sense. Yeah, he's the youngest. He's the only boy. Women, unlike men, we're nurturers. Men, on the other hand, if it was an only girl with her brothers, because I've seen it, they, like, torture them. Yeah. It's true, because I have <laughs> my son's good friends from elementary school. She had my... My friend had three sons and one girl. And that little girl is the toughest girl I've seen in my life because she had to be. Damn right, man. You know? Kind of like the boy, a boy named Sue. I knew you didn't need to get tough yeah, or die. pretty much. But yeah. <laughs> in 1948, the Kraft family moved from Long Beach, California to Midway, California into a small house which Kraft's father renovated into a three-bedroom family home. Believe it or not, I don't know where Midway, California is in Southern California. I've been all over SoCal. Hold on. I'll look it up for oh, you. Cool. You can tell me here in Midway a what? California. I know, but I thought maybe you said something else, but no. okay. In Midway City, Randy would, would thrive. His intelligence was noticed uh, by not only his teachers, but his fellow students at Midway, Ele- at El- Midway Elementary School. So much so that he was able to take advanced classes at the junior high school in the area. To top it all off, his mom, his mom was even a member of the PTA. So we're talking like the absolute, this is like the yeah. white picket fence, perfect all-American family type of a deal going yeah. on. Yeah, I wasn't even part of the PTA, damn it. Harper Valley PTA? <laughs> yeah, that's it. By the time Randy was going to high school, he took a great interest in politics. Go figure. He wanted to be a senator, so he wanted to be corrupt, I guess. Uh, when he attended Westminster High School, he had two of his friends form a club called the Westminster's World Affairs Club. Okay. His, his fellow classmates and teachers would go on to say that he was a very pleasant boy to be around. From time to time, he would even date girls. However, most people suspected that he liked boys a little bit better. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, do you know where Garden Grove is? Yeah, I know exactly where Garden okay, Grove is. Okay, so it is exactly dun, 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 five, about six miles kind of south of there. Oh. And it's like okay. right off of like that one like place. In the Euclid area. Like 405, I think is yeah, what it said. Yeah, 405, pretty close to Euclid. Okay, Euclid's actually just a street, but it's amazing. <laughs> it's not street. like the Uper? No. Don't get me started on, I live up in the Uper. Where where do you live in Michigan? The Let Uper? me show you my head. Right here. In the Uper. Right Fucking there, retards. Scott. No, the Uper's up over here. This is the Michigan hand. And just so you know, there's actually a newspaper in Michigan called the Michigan Thumb. 
<laughs> so I'm assuming it's a part of this area. I'm never going to Michigan again. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> Here's my thoughts. Randy said that he knew that he was gay even in high school, but chose to keep up his sexual preferences to keep his sexual sexual preferences because talking is hard a secret. And I don't blame him given the time period. You know, nobody's really accepting of the gays about this time. Yeah, he's not even an adult yet. Yeah. After graduation, he went, uh, he went on to earn a bachelor's degree in economics from Claremont Men's College. He also enrolled in the Claremont Reserve Officers Training Corps, and he regularly attended rallies in, in, and supported the Vietnam War. Okay. Later on, Randy Kraft would say that his political views were merely a reflection of his parents' views and not truly his own. He would also say that his last year at Claremont was when he abandoned his last grasp of being conservative. That year, he also got into his first gay relationship. Okay. What so, year again? Um, you know what? I don't think I put that down. Oh, okay. Because I'm trying to like Fucking I'm trying no. to like relate it to the time. Well, so okay, if he uh, when was he born? He was born in '45, so I would imagine this has to be in the '60s ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Given the time period, I can only imagine that Randy was scared to tell his family he was gay. Oh, yeah. Some of them are still today. Yeah, to this day. How do you come out and go, guess what? I'm here. I'm queer. Get used to it. Yeah. He had taken several gay friends to meet his family. Later, he would find out that his parents and sisters really did. They knew that he was gay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mystery solved there. (laughs) Scooby-Doo. Yeah. He gave a couple of them a Scooby snack, and that mystery got solved in the mystery machine. Yeah. There's no no mystery to that machine now. No, none at all. In 1964, uh, Kraft began working at a cocktail lounge that catered to more of a gay clientele. Oh, in Garden Grove, California. Ta-da! There you go. He would also travel to Laguna Beach and Huntington Beach, where he'd hook up with gay guys for casual love. I love Laguna Beach myself. And let me tell you why. I don't even have this as my notes. The Wayland Art Gallery is there. Oh, okay. Uh, And he's the one who does those murals of, like, Mm -hmm. sea life and whales and everything like that. Gorgeous art. Gorgeous. I love the area. It's a really nice area. I'm having a hard time here. Why? I can't picture you in any art gallery. I love art. But I it has, just can't picture it. I just, you know, I'm just selective. I just can't picture it is all I'm saying. Fine. So let me get this right. You can picture your mom in a Catwoman outfit. No, I can't. You can't picture me in art. Okay, that. I understand that. Hey, Merry Christmas. In 1966, he was arrested for lewd contact, uh, conduct after propositioning an undercover cop in Huntington Beach, California. Okay. But no charges were filed against him since he had no prior record of any crimes. And pretty much a clean slate. Okay. So they said, get out of here, you little gay scamp. <laughs> you don't want no part of this. <laughs> Go along with your unicorn goat. <laughs> Shut up. I told you about when my best friend's mom called me and her gay, right? <laughs> that was funny. Oh, man. Uh, he went from a staunch Republican to a liberal Democrat. Which that I faulted for. That's odd. Yeah, that's like night that's and day. That's like two very opposite ends of the damn spectrum. Oh yeah. That same year, he began to help uh, with a campaign tirelessly for the election of John F. Kennedy as the president of the United States. 
He even received a letter from JFK, who was a senator at the time, thanking him for all of his efforts. Right. So, you know, the dude's politically motivated. You know, he's working hard. He's getting behind, you know, he's into politics. That's his deal. This was all when he was still in college, by the way. Okay. By his senior year, however, he became kind of lackadaisical. He began to gamble and drink a lot as well. Uh, His lack of attention to his studies resulted in him uh, not graduating. He had to repeat his economics class that postponed his graduation until 1968. So it set him back about a year. Okay. They'd call that a super senior now, but okay. Okay, yeah. I thought a super senior was uh, the ones at the old folks home in my dating pool, but okay. No, Scott. I knew you were going to go somewhere stupid like that, and (laughs) I couldn't even stop you. Four months after his graduation, he joined the Air Force, and after basic training, he was stationed at Edwards Air Force Base in Southern California. He rose to the ranks to become an airman first class and and supervised the painting of airplanes. The same year that he became an airman first class, he came out to his family as being gay. Like I said, the mystery was already solved. Right. According to a letter that he wrote to a friend, he said that his father flew into a rage while his mother was more understanding. So by this, I, and I put down here, uh, here's where I'm a little bit confused. It was, said that, it was said that his parents knew that he was gay, but when yeah, he was still in college, but his father went into a rage when he came out as being gay while he's in the Air Force. Yeah. So I'm a little confused on that right there. Um, but you know what? Maybe it was a don't ask, don't tell type of a thing. Like dad's like, hey, I know that you like dudes. Right. We don't want to know yeah, about it. Yeah, as long as they don't, he doesn't come out and say it, Yeah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, plausible deniability. Yeah, pretty much is what and, it sounds like to me. And that is really, that, that is the difference between guys and girls, especially in that era. Like, it, I'd imagine if a guy came out to his sister and his mom, they'd be like, oh, honey, we already knew that you like guys. Oh, have, yeah. a, have a good time. And meanwhile, you know, dad, even though he knows, oh, there ain't going to be no fags in my house. Ah, yeah, pretty much. That's so, what it seems like to me. Yeah. That's just what I surmise from it. On July 26th of 1969, my favorite year because it's 69, he got a general discharge after telling his supervisors that he was gay. Because keep it in mind. Don't ask, don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, totally right there. He then moved back with his parents and went back uh, being a bartender. Okay. By 1970, Randy was living on his own, and he had his own apartment. So he wasn't there for very long. Yeah, no. Yeah, maybe a year-ish, right? Yeah. In March of 1970, he would commit his first sexual assault. Okay. He was in Huntington Beach, California, where he met Joseph Fletcher. Francher, sorry. A 13-year-old runaway. He told the young teenage boy that he could live with him and took him back to his apartment. That's where uh, Francher was drugged and sexually assaulted by Kraft. The young teenager managed to escape the apartment when Kraft left, though, later that day. Okay. Someone saw Francher and called an ambulance after noticing that he seemed really sick and really disheveled. His stomach needed to be pumped due to the drugs that he ingested. While at the wow. hospital, Francher said that he was drugged and beaten. However, he didn't admit to the cops that he was sexually assaulted. He kind of kept that a secret. Well, of course. Back then they do. Did. So the police searched Kraft's home 
and but no char- charges were filed against him um, at the time of searching his apartment because they had searched his apartment without a warrant. And Francher admitted that he had taken the pills that were offered him voluntarily. Okay. So, does anybody see a trend here in the law enforcement? Okay. They seem to get in, in, in trouble and the charges either get dropped or ignored. That's been I mean, kind it's, of, it's been a very, very, very common consistent in a lot of our episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, let's not bring up Cole. Oh, you know, yeah. Cole is like the freaking neon sign yeah. saying I'm the killer, smoking yeah. gun, blood on his hands, yeah. dancing around with he dead bodies. He probably been caught with his hands around the woman's neck and they probably said, can you step aside, sir? We know you're trying to save her life. Yeah, we're trying. We're looking for a, yeah. for a real killer here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it seems very consistent that we see this a lot. Yeah, it's it's kind of sad to me. It's dropping the ball constantly, but you know things have gotten better over the years. That's our law enforcement. Well, it's getting be- it's gotten way better over the years. We're talking sixties, seventies, eighties. You know, I guess progressively you're right. it's gotten better. Now, you know, they got probable cause. So, True. if they if they see a crime, or if they saw like a big blood stain or anything like that, you know, or I they can call, you know, and fucking they've got uh, computers now. So yeah. There's access to where this they can go. True too. Hey, you need some, some send some detectives to one two three Fourth Street. Why are you and giving out my address show? again? <laughs> Just kidding. In 1971, Kraft took a job as a forklift operator. He also enrolled at Long Beach University in order to uh, further his career. Okay. That's where he met Jeff Graves, a fellow teaching student who was uh, four, four years younger than Kraft was. He began to have a relationship with him. So let's get down to brass taxes here, uh, as the saying goes. The murders. Brass taxes? Brass taxes. It's called brass tax. I say taxes. Honey, I- it's like a thumbtack. Do you say that's a taxa? Taxes. Oh, God. I'm done. I need the thumb I taxes. love you and all, but you're making me hate you right now. I have friends that live in the state of Texas. <laughs> can I continue, meow? You can go on anytime you want to. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> I feel the love. I do love the you. The more episodes that we put out, I feel the love. You know what? I keep telling you, I love you on every level as far as my work husband goes. <laughs> but at the same time, I want to choke the shit out of you. Probably like a real marriage. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably why I've been divorced like a bajillion times. Oh, okay, go ahead. It's believed that between 1971 and 1983, Kraft murdered 67 people between the ages of 13 and 35 years old. 37? 67. Okay, 67 people. Yeah. Between the ages of 13 years old and 35 That's years old. That's a huge age demographic. Yeah, it is. That's not a common thing uh-uh. right there. Big. Because think about it. What we see a lot of is what, what do we see? We see things that are very uh, kind of closed in. So if you're into teenage boys. Right. That's the pedophile. Yeah. I looked it up. So you're like, okay, my victim profile is going to be between the ages of like 12 and 16-ish. Yeah, 21 tops if they look young. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. If, if they look young. Because it's all about how their appearance, yeah. Right. You don't normally see people taking that stretch going, huh, 13-year-old, 35-year-old. Yeah, eh, that's fucking a same huge, thing. 
No, because that, like I said, that's two different age demographics. Right? However, most of his victims were young teens and okay. in their mid twenties. So let's okay. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll that makes more sense. It. Thank you. <laughs> he was charged with and convicted of thirteen of these murders, with most of them being victim. Uh, most of the victims being U.S. Marines. Oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Dun-dun-dun. I think I'm seeing a paw print here. He likes the stepper fight, too. Now I'm seeing the paw print. Most of the bodies were found with high levels of tranquilizers and alcohol in their system. Well, duh. We already established that with the, the kid that he's... Knockout darts. Huh? Knockout darts. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know That's Jethro and Jolene. <laughs> that indicated that they were unconscious when they were raped and killed. Yeah, exactly. Now, we know that, but we got to mention it anyway. Yeah. I mean, you would think if they got a ton of tranquilizers and Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, they're not sitting there, hey, let's go to the disco or anything like that. They're like, "Um, I'm pretty fucked up. Yeah, kind of like, you know, we always bring her up, but your favorite one up in the north. Oh, Hermolka? Yeah. Oh, that damn cunt? Yeah. Fucking twat. Kraft would usually lure his victims into his car with promises of a ride and alcohol. So, hey, I'm going to give you a ride, then I'm going to give you a ride. Yeah, so that makes me so- makes sound like he's targeting, like, teenagers, because oh, totally. they can't go get their own. Yeah. Totally. Well, when, when I was a teenager, um, I looked old enough that I could walk in and buy booze. They would never card me. You know what? I could buy liquor and alcohol until, I mean, tobacco until I turned 18, then they carded me. I'm like... I remember sitting at a Shakey's Pizza in Southern California... With uh, some friends of mine, it was uh, me, Richard Gill, and a guy named John Cherioli. And uh, we were, hey, we really want a picture of beer. I said, hold on. And I went up there, and I ordered a picture. I can't remember a picture of what. But, um, and brought it back to the table. They didn't even blink. They're all, are you 21? Yeah. Okay. Psh, here you go. Here's your picture of beer and some glasses. I'm, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Oh, man. But remember when we could go to the store and buy cigarettes for our parents and just hand them a note? No, I did that a lot for my mom because mm-hmm. uh, she smoked Benson Hedges. And uh, she'd be, hey, go down there and get me a couple packs of them Benson, oh, yeah. Benson Hedges. That's all we needed was a note, damn it. <laughs> he would then give them drugs and booze. That's a given, right? Yes. Okay. I don't even know why I put that in there because that's... Yeah, that, you just told us it was found in their bloodstream. fucking obvious, right? If it's found in their bloodstream, they had to get it somehow. So after they were pretty well out of it, he tied them up. Have you ever been tied up, Tammy? And then that is where he would rape them. Note to self. Torture them and kill them. Wow. He would bludgeon, suffocate, and strangle his victims. So if you don't know what bludgeoning is, because you don't have a good vocabulary, which is fine. That's beating the shit out of you. Beat the shit out of somebody. Yeah. It could be with anything they can beat the shit out of somebody with. Yeah. After Kraft was done with his sick fun, he would dump the bodies along freeways in Southern California. You see? That's why they called him the freeway killer, just like Patrick Kearney. Is that why? Exactly. For all the assholes that are going, he already called Patrick Kearney 
the freeway killer. So we don't you know, know what we have several of them actually that were are in the works that have the same name like oh, yeah. moniker. And it's like it was confusing to me too. So I think it's a cop out, seriously. Oh, he dumped bodies along the freeway. So he must be the freeway killer. Yeah, exactly. Be more creative, media. Yeah. Jesus. Fucking name him something different. Exactly. We have people walking out of our door. I know. They can't wait to get away from us, Scott. They run away from me, too. Shit. You know? Well, you know, I have to be here right now. But. On October 5th of 1971, the police found the body of Dwayne Duckett, who lived in Long Beach, California. He had been missing since September 20th of that year. Okay. Due to how rotted the corpse was, though, the police were unable to find evidence of foul play. His death was ruled as accidental due to alcohol poisoning. So was he found like in a like like concealed area then off the highway? Oh, we're going to find out. Hold on. Okay. I no, I'm just. So Mr. Duckett was a bartender at a gay bar called The Stable. Which That's I, a perfect gay bar name. That is. Dude, that is perfect. That almost beats yours. Well, remember that because it's going to uh, play in later in the story. Okay. The Stable. The stable. Let me see what you got there, big stud. <laughs> and this is why I don't let you talk. <laughs> well, about a year and a half after Duckett was killed, Kraft killed a 20-year-old Marine by the name of Edward Daniel Moore. Moore was last seen leaving the barracks at Camp Pendleton on December 24th. Okay. Okay, And that's of 1972, by the way. His body was found by the... 405 freeway uh, in Seal Beach. Okay. Which is on the beach. That's the only way to tell Obviously. you where Seal Beach is. Off the 405. Ah. That was an obvious Early statement. in the morning of December 26, abrasions on Moore's body indicated that, indicated that he'd been pushed out of the moving vehicle. And an autopsy revealed they'd been bound by the wrists and ankles, then beaten with a blunt instrument uh, about the face before being garroted. So if you don't know what a garrot is. I know exactly. And some people say garroted, and that's fucking yeah. retarded. It's garrot. Yes, it is because it is a very garrot. French term. Yes. It's a wire, and then you put it on their throat, and you pull, and you can basically almost saw someone's head yeah, off. Yeah, I was going to say, you can decapitate somebody that way from, yeah. what I, from what I've been told. Literally, I have. this is not a joke. I have never done it. Don't believe her. <laughs> his body exhibited numerous bite marks, and a sock had been forced into his rectum. You see how that plays into my Doesn't buddy Kearney? Does it play into Kearney a little bit? In his rectum? In his rectum. There's Ow! A There's a reason. Okay. Everything has a reason. That makes no sense, but okay. Six weeks after uh, the murder of Moore, on February 6th of 73, the body of an unidentified male, who was thought to be between the ages of 25 and uh, 17 to 25 years old, was found along the Terminal Island Freeway in Wilmington. So the Terminal Island Freeway is also called the 710 Freeway. Okay. Um, it doesn't run for very long. It, it, just, it takes you into a place called Terminal Island, which is uh, it's shipping terminals. Okay. Kind of like our 405 here? Yeah. Like a short like stint? Yeah, kind of. Okay. It, it runs, for, I think, for like 20 miles or something like that. Oh, okay. 20 or 30 miles. So not, not very far. Right. The victim had been strangled with a ligature. Ligature. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Not I much? said lick. You did. Lig. Yes. Because, you know, I got I know. a know. <laughs> and he also had a sock inserted into his rectum. 
Now you understand why they asked Kearney those questions? Yeah, but I'm trying to figure out the purpose for that. You will you tell me? Out. I will. Okay. Two months later, on April 14th, a 17-year-old, Clark Ke- Kevin Clark Bailey, was found beside the road in Huntington Beach. Okay. Bailey had been uh, emasculated and sodomized prior Ooh. to his murder. By, ema- by emasculation, I can only assume that his genitals had been mutilated in, in some, some way. way. Yeah. Just to kind yeah. of be clear on what's going on here. Yeah, because the only other way is to do it, like, emotionally, and you can't Correct. do that to somebody who's deceased. Because it's not my ex-wife. <laughs> By July 28th, two more victims were murdered. An unidentified youth whose dismembered body was found in Wilmington on, on April 22nd, and a 20-year-old named Ronnie Jean Weeb, whose strangled body was left uh, like trash behind the on-ramp of the 405 freeway on July 30th. Two days after he had disappeared, welt marks on Weebly's body and wrist ankles suggest that he had been bound and suspended before his murder. Yeah. Yeah, brutal, huh? Dude, he's, he's like sadistic. Oh, but wait. There's, there's more. There's more. Yeah, you Billy Mays everything, aren't you? By January of 1975, a total of 14 victims had been found and discarded across four separate counties over the previous three years. They'd been, they'd been linked to the same killer. All the victims had been Caucasian males with, simil- with similar physical traits. Okay. On January 24th, homicide investigators from several jurisdictions uh, in Southern California convened in Orange County to discuss the progress in the hunt for the unknown killer, as in singular so they don't know right now that there's three killers working. Right. That's what I'm getting. I'm, I'm, I'm following along. Okay. An FBI profiler. Uh, I'm sorry. An FBI profile of the killer uh, was read to the investigators, describing the individual as a methodical, organized lust killer that was above, av- of a, above average intelligence, who exhibited the indifference to the Quote, interest and welfare of society. Say that again. He exhibited the indifference to the, uh, to the interests or the welfare of society. So basically, he didn't give two shits about, about anything. Uh, well, yeah, and that anything. was the profile, right? That was the FBI okay. profile. I want to make sure I was following you right there. So some investigators believe that the, the murder is to be the work of more than one individual. One or, one or more individuals uh, who had a military background. Okay. As two of the victims had uh, paper tissue residue in their nostrils. Um, it all plays in. Don't worry. You're gonna, I know. You're we got like, socks and rectums. We got tissues and nostrils. Okay. A yeah. proce- but this procedure uh, is known to be used by the military to uh, keep bodies from purging themselves after death. This is going to explain a lot about the sock thing. You ready? Yeah. Okay. The insertion of the socks inside of the victim's rectums was also theorized that it had been intended to prevent purging of the body uh, while the body was being driven and disposed of at the time. Oh, okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. You see? Because what happens when you die? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. You You, do. You you literally let go of everything. Yeah. Your uh, body just relaxes. 
I'm not going to say it's every single time because I've never been around every death, but I'm going to say the vast majority of the time. Yeah, I was going to say the two people I have been present for did. Yeah. So. We evacuate. That part was. uh, Oh, the part that was. uh, The part was that. Okay. Although the police. No, anyway. The part was that although the. police had all these bodies and evidence they really didn't have any leads on the killer or killers yet yeah so they're still pretty confused okay and what and i explained down here uh what i mean by purging okay is when you die you lose muscle control yes that means that your bowels will release and you can poop all over yourself yeah pretty much so and there's also the possibility of your Stomach contents coming back up through your mouth and your nose. Right. That's part of the purging process. So that's why the tissue and the... Got it. Exactly. I got it now. Because what keeps your, your, everything that you eat from coming back up? Oh, yeah. There's, there's, it's muscles. There's exactly. muscles in your esophagus. Exactly. And in your stomach as well. And if those aren't functioning, oh, well, yeah. nothing's going to keep the shit down, right? Nothing. Literally. Literally. Oh, that man. was disgusting, but okay, Scott. Okay, I'm going to continue, meow. I hate you. On the evening of March 29th of 1975, Kraft lured two youths, Keith Cockrell and Kent May, from, Long Be- from a Long Beach parking lot into his Ford Mustang. Good car, by the way. Unless he had, like, the Mustang 2, which that's fucking lame as shit. I want an old... I want like a 63, 64. I want 69. But okay. I know you do. Sick fucker. So the, the U's were given uh, beer and some Valium. Okay. And as Kraft drove around. Beer and Valium? Yep. Okay. My kind of, my, that's a good cocktail. Yeah. And they're, 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 they're teenagers. So it's yeah. not going to take very much. Yeah. Not Cheap at date, all. right? <laughs> <laughs> so Kraft drove around uh, and a, uh, apparently randomly in aimless manner around uh, Belmont Shores and the Seal Beach area. Okay. May later recalled feeling catatonic. Uh, as a re- what? Catatonic. Oh, okay. I'm having a, I was like, because the computer, your mouth is covered, so I, I do have a hard time hearing you because I do read a lot of lips. I needed, <laughs> which pair? You don't have that pair. <laughs> I know. I was wondering what you're doing on your off time. Um, None of your damn business. Apparently not. Okay. <laughs> so, anywho, this is uh, as a result of the alcohol and the volume, of course, well, of right? Of course, yeah. And then uh, he uh, passed out. He passes out in the car. And the parking lot where Cartwell and May had last been seen, two friends of these kids observed a uh, distinctive black and white Mustang come to a stop before the driver leaned across, opened the passenger passenger just- door. And, uh, and he, he pushed unconscious May out onto the pavement. It's almost like those uh, people who shoot, like the gang shootings, and how they drive through the emergency room and just don't. You know what I mean? That's the yeah, picture I got in my head. That's because you listen to the gangster rap. No, it's because I watch a lot of TV. Oh, well, that could be it, too. That should have rocked your mind. The, so, anyways, the driver that they saw then sped away from the scene. Okay. And he didn't... Uh, and, as he did so. That's what I wrote. Okay, there we go. God, I can't even read. I was going to say, do you know what you're talking about over there, big guy? 
No, barely. So anyway, the friends that uh, of of Cotwell and May saw Cotwell slumped against this unknown driver's shoulder as he sped away. So we got May on the ground. We got Cotwell pew, off with this unknown person who we know is Kraft. Yeah, that was already proven. We know. We know. They don't know. We know. So, on May 8th, Cotwell's skull was found on a jetty that was close to Long Beach Marina. Ooh. The remainder of his body was found six months later. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah. After hearing the news, the two friends of Cotwell and May went searching for the Mustang that they'd seen. Because, okay. you know, your friend just got fucked up, right? Yeah. Uh... They thought that they had seen it around a gay bar in Belmont Shores. Okay. Okay. So they found the car. And if it's a distinctive color yeah. and shit, I mean, that's like <coughs> neon sign. Oh, exactly. So. You know, I brought up my truck before. There's a lot of F-150s out there. There is. But if I speed off in my truck, it's pretty distinctive. That's true. And, they're, they're, you know, you could find me easily. Very much so. So. They found the car less than a mile from their homes. And they okay. wrote down the license plate number and gave the information to the cops. And the vehicle was registered to... Random guess. Ready? Randy Craft? Oh, my God. How would you ever guess that? Dun, dun, dun. Dude, I don't know. It just came to me. All of a sudden. You must have the ESPN I, or something. You know, I do have something. <laughs> you want to know one of the best ways to get, car th- to get caught as a killer in any crime? California? No. Use a unique car that stands out. Oh, I know. That doesn't right. blend in. I actually wrote that as my notes. I'm proud of myself. Dude. Hey, you know what, though? This is what I'm proud of, is those witnesses who gave a description did not say white panel van. That is fucking <laughs> true. That happens. And, you know, we joke about it, but it's actually statistically it's correct. Yeah. If you question 10 people, let's say on my street right here. Yeah. Let's say there's a murder in the middle of the street or an abduction. We'll go with an abduction in the middle of the street, a child abduction. If you interviewed everybody on my street, 90% of them are going to say, oh, I saw it. It was a white panel van. Yeah, or cargo van with or Without estate yeah. plates. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every fucking time. With no windows except for in the back. Mm. Every time. Yeah. I'm telling you. It, and it's true. I mean, the sad part is, is it's true. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, Long Beach police questioned Kraft about Cotwell's abduction and murder on May 19th of 75. And initially, he denied having ever met Cotwell or May. And the police, being pretty skeptical of uh, mm. Kraft's denial, summons him to the police station for further questioning. Like, you're coming with us downtown. Well, good for them. That's about right. time. And they didn't fucking, you know, forget to do everything right, so they couldn't just drop the case. There, Kraft admitted that, uh, that on or around March 29th, he had encountered the two, the two boys in Long Beach in okay. a parking lot. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he persuaded them to drink some booze with him and consume the volume and go for a drive. He claimed that he returned May to the parking lot and then had, had driven Cotwell to the side of the road uh, near, near the El Toro off-ramp. Uh, and that's where his car became stuck uh, on an embankment. This is what he's telling the cops. 
Okay. He said he walked alone to the gas station to call a tow truck while Cotwell remained in the car. Upon returning to his vehicle, Kraft said Cotwell had just disappeared. Okay. So Cotwell's roommate confirmed that Kraft had called him at about the time of the, you know, that this happened. Okay. The cops, though, still weren't quite convinced. They filed murder charges against Kraft, but the DA of Los Angeles declined to pursue it. They said, no, nah, not interested. Fuck you. Yeah. Um, he had said that uh, he said that the autopsy, which was only Cotwell's skull, indicated that he had died from drowning. Yeah. Tell me how that one happens. It's just a skull. That makes no sense. It makes absolutely no fucking sense. That's like, that's like freaking Cole's wife being in the closet, obviously choked to death, wrapped in a sheet, and she died of natural causes. Yeah. That, was that a, makes no sense. She died of natural causes because she was an alcoholic. Meanwhile, Cole's like, the killer's right here. Yeah, it's dude, me. Like, I killed her. They're like, sir, step aside. We're, you know, we're going to take this naturally dead body. Right, out of here. Just don't mind us. So Kraft continued uh, killing and getting away with it. There are too many victims to list them all. Oh, yeah, way too many. So that was until the time that he met Jeff Selig. Okay. Yeah, I like that look on your face. And that's where no, I left it's that. Like, I'm, I'm like trying to follow along. So. so I want you guys to all remember Mr. Jeff Selig because this is part one of a two-part episode. So you're quitting on me now? I am at the 40-minute oh mark. I know. You want to know more. Our listeners want to know more. But guess what, boys and girls? You got to wait till next Friday. And trust me, come back and listen because it's about ready to get really, really Hot. And good. I fucking hate you. Spank me. Why do you make everything dirty, Scott? Everything. Oh my God. I didn't make it dirty. You made it dirty. No, I didn't take it to the spank me level. I just went like something was sizzling in a pan. (laughs) So I'm going to leave you guys with this last bit before we come to a close with this one for part, and then I'll start part two. In 1976, Kraft ended his relationship with Graves. That was his boyfriend. And shortly after, he began seeing Jeff Selig, who was 19 years old. And it's thought that Kraft's relationship with Selig is the reason that he took a break from killing for about 16 months. Okay. That's what I'm going to leave you boys and girls. So he went on a, he went dormant for 16 months. For 16 months. There has to be a reason. Uh, they think this because of the new boyfriend. Oh, that can be. I maybe, can see that. Maybe it's some good uh, loving. Stop. See, this is what I'm talking about right here. What? Not everything has to be that way. What? Good pillow biting? What? Maybe they enjoyed each other's conversation, Scott. Did you ever think about that? People don't always have to have sex. No. I didn't think about that, and you won't think about that in part two. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who's the boss now? Woo, go, Scotty. Go, Scotty. It's your rodeo. <laughs> I want to be a cowboy. I can tell. 
All right. This here has been part one of a two-part for Mr. Randy Kraft, Brutal Nation. Remember, you can send us an email at W... Uh, fuck me running. You did it again. I did it again. Two episodes in a row. Two in a row. Damn it. You are enough to make me not let you talk And I never anymore. go back and edit anything. Because, you know, because uh, you know what? We are what we are. Yeah. You can send us an email at BrutalNation.cast at gmail.com. Check out our website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. And since we all shop on Amazon because they own our soul... Click on the link that we provide. It helps out the show. doesn't cost you anything else. Also, since I don't have a sticky note on my terminal, you can check out our blogs at, hold on, Hub Pages, Medium, and Vocal something around. Media. Vocal Media. I should have been able to fucking remember that. Yeah. God dang. Um, check them out. Uh, they're, they're great resources. And, Very uh, much so. And also, checking out our blogs, you get a lot more information. They do. They do. And it's, I mean, and not just that, is it's more streamlined and everything. Because we're, we're trying to keep posting them on our website, but we're trying to revamp our website. Right. It's, so uh, it's, it's like, I'm glad that we were picked up by these others because it's like, that way I can still streamline our blog. Right. Oh, but yeah. Totes my goats. Yeah, we are revamping our website to make it more user-friendly for all mediums, not just desktop and, you know. Right, because uh, that's and something also, that we ran into. Stay tuned because we're uh, right now uh, a mobile app is in development. That's right. That's I mean that's part of our revamping and everything too. Because we were getting a lot of complaints that it wasn't mobile friendly on on certain devices, yes. like it, it like works, mobiles, is, you know. Well, on certain phones. Well, because it was. Devices. I mean, because I was seeing it on Apple too, so it wasn't just the oh L, okay. you know the Samsung or the LGs. So. Oh, weird. Okay, Androids. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. All right. This show is copyrighted 2021 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved. I'm fabulous. Also, want you guys. <laughs> I like to how you tell everybody how fabulous you are. Super duper. This is our 50th episode. It is. Da, 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 da. So we made our golden yay. episode. We made our golden when episode. When we make a hundred. Then I'm going to rub my nipples and spank my own butt. Please don't. Just pour me a tequila. We'll be at it because you won't have champagne. <laughs> Not for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we will talk to you guys later before we have to feature uh, Tammy on this for killing me. <laughs> I won't kill you. I'll just choke you. Fabulous. All right. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye.